You are listening to a Geek Network interview. Be sure to hit the follow button to get notified when a new episode is available. You can also visit us at geek-network.com for your guide to the geek entertainment news you love. Created for geeks, by geeks, and remember to always geek responsibly. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I have Mario Candelaria today. How are you doing today? Hey, what's up? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I always like starting with um, an icebreaker. Uh, this question was actually not written by me. So you're a wrestling fan. So can you explain like your journey through wrestling and how? how you know why you're still a fan and how come it sold you for this long yeah i mean i can get as uh i can get as casual as you want or i can get really down to the weeds smart mark style if you want <laughs> but, uh, yeah i started watching wrestling when i was really young my grandma watched it when she was you know looking after me so that was something that was on saturday nights uh usually in the afternoon as well uh mm-hmm. on fox in new york um those wwf guy we didn't really get wcw until much later uh but yeah i watched it uh all the way up you know new generation into the uh, attitude era all through high school uh i stopped somewhere uh after ecw folded i used to go to a lot of ecw shows in new york as well um and then you know i went to college and hung out uh, i resumed for a little while during the ecw revival is that like 2005 i think but i stopped because it's just you know finished up school and didn't really have cable and the pay-per-views were expensive so it's a hard <laughs> you know habit to keep up with and then yeah. uh once the wwe network launched in 2014 i got back into it because i was like oh it's a streaming service 10 bucks a month i can get all the pay-per-views live sure why not right uh yeah and i just been watching since that's like nine years strong now uh i got into all the stuff the independence ring of honor i'm wearing a ring of honor shirt right now for the people who can't see this you know <laughs> uh aew i went to the just a bunch of the original aew shows and they started going on uh even during the pandemic going to shows i mean yeah you know it's just wrestling just a part of my life that's awesome like okay so this is the biggest thing with wrestling as well it's uh that it's scripted and it's way too fake. Like, how? What's your take on that? I mean, I'm a comic book writer, so all my shit scripted. Excuse my language. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> you okay. I mean, so honestly, it's just another form of entertainment, right? I mean, are you gonna are you gonna tell me that there's not a real pizza delivery guy delivering the pizza in the porno? I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we all we yeah you know, we all take our our food how we how, you know, like like how we like it. But unless you're watching the news and documentary all day long, there's some scripted element and everything so you know i just i don't i I don't don't think of it i try to just sit back enjoy the ride you know who would you say is your uh favorite wrestler at the moment uh i'm I'm happy you put the caveat in the moment because it is honestly a fluid answer right (laughs) uh depending on what's happening i mean i love uh seth rollins the current wwe world heavyweight champion um i'm a big fan of finn balor they're actually fighting i was just watching on the screen right now they have they're involved in a big program together i mean you know i have people that i like but as far as choosing the one favorite in the moment that's kind of really harder answer uh gun to my head probably seth rollins for wwe and for aew hangman page i really like him as a person i thought he was cool when i met him a bunch of times he's really entertaining in the ring okay and okay so this question actually comes from uh our eic so our editor-in-chief uh he wants to know if you acknowledge the tribal chief 
Uh, yes, my tribal chief. I acknowledge my tribal <laughs> chief. <laughs> uh, one up to the sky, we can see. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, I, so we have a group chat, and yeah. um, he always throws the, the number one. He always, you know, the fucking finger. He always throws it up. That's funny. So as being a comic book writer, like you know, what are your influences? Oh God! I mean, I grew up with the. Uh, I mean, going way, 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 way back before I could even read, I was looking at stuff like uh, Heathcliff, uh, Police Academy adaptions, Count Duckula, the stuff that was down there next to the candy, right? I level yeah. for like a really young child. Uh, I started off with that, looking at the pictures. When I started to read captions, I think the first comic I actually read, read was, you know, was Spider-Man, but I think it was like an Eric Larson Spider-Man for Revenge of the Sinister Six. Okay. Uh, that was the first time I actually like, when I, like when I started to be able to read uh, and 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 read the captions, <laughs> uh, there was a while when I was younger I would skip the captions and just go straight to the dialogue boxes, which uh, I will come back to in a second because that is part of my writing style. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, my influences I have to say probably the Todd Dezago X Men as far as action goes, with like how pacing is, just having larger life into the bendis daredevil gritty street stuff where you're putting more human elements to these characters uh ed brubaker of course is a huge influence i call him the wednesday night messiah because you know his books are always <laughs> flying off the shelves um, yeah <laughs> and uh you know even even like friends right like uh like like jared Luan. i'm really impressed by all he does and I keep an eye on him. Uh i have i have pace cars that i like to keep around me you know so that mm -hmm. way i know um you know, they're doing well, I'm doing well. So we we always keep in track of what each other's doing. That way, it's, you know, it's not really competition as much as just like, okay, you know, I can keep up with my peers. So, you know, yeah. Jared, uh, Matt Sumo, my my young boy, my Padawan, James Ferguson, you know, uh, he teaches me just as much as I teach him because he brings a different perspective to, you know, from his life, his experiences. When, I, when we start reviewing stories together, I review his stories, he reviews my stories. I mean... I pull in from I pull influences from everywhere, even outside of comics. You're looking at uh, showrunners like Terrence Winter. He did Boardwalk Empire. I think he just left uh, oh. Tulsa King. Um, okay. I love his work. He wrote The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, Martin Scorsese. You know, I mean, he's a director. He works with the writers, but yeah, I mean, just yeah. the way he puts stuff together. Um, even beyond that, just like looking at what's happening in the world around me and in the news, there could be something that can prompt a story out of nowhere. Um, like my wife and I walk in the other day and uh, right in front of a tree, we saw two things drop out of the tree and we look over and it's a blue jay standing over a bird that had just decapitated. <laughs> and I was like, the suddenness of that just what? kind of sparks. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I looked it up. Blue jays are the, are the bullies of the trees, apparently. Uh, and, and they will kill and decapitate other birds. But uh, yeah, you know, just stuff like that prompts, you know, like it sparks something inside of me. So, I mean, as far as creativity, my influences, I would say, you know, just Brewbreaker, Bendis, that class of writers but then also just you know my friends okay i got you and what was the biggest what the fuck moment in comics that you can think of or reflect on okay um hmm. well i have different eras of that so i don't know if that's okay to dive into or do you want like just like the biggest overall like king of the mountain Apex yeah. moment? go ahead please like all right go ahead um when I was a little kid, and that was before really internet spoilers, um, Heroes Reborn kind of threw me for a shock when Onslaught ended with all those heroes, quote unquote, dying. And then they did, uh, you know, uh, like there was a world without the Avengers, without the Fantastic Four, without the Hulk. Yeah. 
I, th- I thought that was kind of like, whoa, what just happened? You know, the high stakes. Um, like I remember always reading about superheroes dying, like mainly just the new mutants and they were never, you know, like never seen again. So it was something like yeah. that, but it was permanent. And, you know, like, of course they came back, but uh, that was, that was a good one. Um, when I got a little older, I think, let's say like 2005-ish when I was okay. a late teenager, um, or, or, or like early 20s, um, I want to say that era shocked me with, infinite crisis and just Superboy being the big evil of that one i mean i yeah. was really into dc a whole lot but i started reading dc just before that um because i started working at a comic shop and needed to keep up and i thought that was interesting that was around the same time the uh, house of m you know and yeah wanda okay. just you know uh no more mutants <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was kind of a weird era for comics doing big things like you know just wide line wide changes um and then, you know, just later on, uh, it wasn't really the stories of like what the hell happened, but just the moments, the kind of like gotcha moments, like, um, all right, the Superior Spider-Man, how that story just started off, you know, with those three issues and they couldn't warn you in the solicitations because they know that comes out three months in advance. So they kind of just treat, like they treated those next three issues like it was just regular Spider-Man until, you know, uh, the series relaunched. And I thought that was a really cool way of doing that. Same thing with uh, the Walking Dead's final issue. Um, there's fake solicitations for three more months because they didn't want you to know that they were just ending it right then and there. Yeah, that was that was kind of cool. I'm a big Walking Dead fan too. That just yes. uh, yeah. I, thought, I don't know if you see this behind me. Yeah, I do. I wanted to actually <laughs> point it out earlier too. Yeah, we can yeah. talk about that in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but Jesus, um, some of the like the balls on the walking dead and robert kirkman and you oh, yeah. know just jesus fucking christ some of the shit that they pulled on it got people talking and it got memorable right i mean you yeah. don't want to do status quo stuff just because like you know it keeps the boat steady yeah you'll get keep getting sales but then there won't really be anything i feel that really gets the people going outside of a little character moments here and there but if it's all just like okay we're gonna rock the boat just enough to study it and then rock the boat again you, you want to have really big take big swings get yeah. people pissed off i remember uh when adam eve died the first time in invincible i was like oh my god i think i wrote to him i tweeted at him too oh shit <laughs> yeah i was like yeah you just pissed off my buddy paul my buddy paul was upset. like oh you done did it now Kirkman. but <laughs> I mean, I think she came back because her powers were like regenerative, but I mean, yeah, Kirkman really took some wild swings. I mean, good for him. Even his uh, his ultimate X-Men run, I think he he was building up to story. Unfortunately, he never got to tell. But, you know, uh, he's definitely an influence on me uh, that I forgot to shout out, especially oh, how he doesn't do captions. And that's what I don't. I don't really do captions. And it's all Kirkman <laughs> and uh, Millar's fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, OK, so. Let's reel it back in. Um, so how come you don't do the captions then? Uh, I like to just, you know, I feel like a lot of things I was always told growing up is to, uh, you know, to to show it, don't say it. And sometimes a lot of captions just do show, like they just tell you what's happening instead of showing you what's happening. So okay. I think, I mean, that's just the way that my mind works when I when I put the script together. I don't think of, I don't come from a prose world where I think of, you know, the narrations or any of that stuff or just, you know, the very vivid painting of very, very pictorial words. I come from just like 
you know, I come from the world of stand-up comedy where all your words have to be measured and calculated and what you say has to come across clear in a dialogue sense. So, you know, to put those actions on there where instead of saying like, oh, you know, uh, the, the, like the air was cold that night, but not as cold as it was the night my grandma died. You know, I just have a character yeah. be like, oh man, it's fucking cold out here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you're like, you know? And then someone else would be like, oh man, it reminds me of that time. And then the guy would be like, don't say it. You know, so that way they kind of build <laughs> dramatic tension through dialogue. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I read lots of stuff with, you know, captions. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of informative stuff, especially now the Marvel, uh, the X-Men lines where they're giving you full, you know, Excel spreadsheets on certain pages. <laughs> you know, Jesus. I think that's really cool, but um, yeah. it's not it's not my style. I can't I can't get away with that. Yeah, you brought up a good point because a lot of the comics I read, re- you know, as of recent, like there's a lot of uh, internalized dialogue that, yeah. Yeah. So my brain doesn't think that way. I can't drive stick. I can't do captions. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. Everybody is familiar with Alan Moore, Watchmen. Do you think that Alan Moore could pull off you know, a, a book with your sense of writing without the internalization? Because we Rorschach is essentially the narrator and so is um, uh, Dr. Manhattan. Uh, he could pull off a book, but it wouldn't be that same quality. It would be like having someone who's a world renowned, you know, uh, burger chef try to make a bunch of steaks. They could get around it, but it wouldn't be their specialty. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, hell yeah. Give Alan Moore enough time and enough leash to say, bring down your hundred page script to, to, you know, (laughs) one, one page per page, you know, Uh, yeah, he he could definitely do it. I mean, would he like it is another question. Would he feel artistically fulfilled is another question of that too. But I think, you know, end of the day, you know, uh, pen to paper, he could probably figure it out. It's just, uh, you know, it'll just be a different flavor. Um, I mean, think about like, you know, uh, old school noir films to start off with a detective in the smoky room right <laughs> and then they're going into the whole thing versus if you put on a show like perry mason that's the same spiritual you know story but this is telling the story as it unfolds by showing action rather than you know giving details as it goes i don't know i mean that's a good question <laughs> so when it comes to writing your uh your scripts uh for you know whatever project you're working on um how like what's the communication like with uh your your artist and your penciler and your inker and letter er i know you said you you just uh found your lettering style but how does that work yeah no that's a great question i mean uh i'm a little bit more hands-on with a lot of the design than some people are and definitely a lot more than some people would like um you know i I try to have group meetings group chats so that way we can you know all get in the same page we can discuss we can see where we're all at and as far as once the team's assembled and built you know i want the i want to communicate with the line artist i want the line artist to communicate with the colorist i want the colorist let us know when we're done so that way we could start doing the lettering i want to communicate with the letterer so that way you know, uh, they can know when I'm ready because sometimes I have to go back and, you know, revise a script because if I called for six panels and they put five, kind of got to let this person know what to do, you know, as far (laughs) as, you know, what goes where, right? Or sometimes even just looking at the breakdown of a panel and you can see like, okay, the words are supposed to flow. They're supposed to flow so well, you don't even notice the writing. But if there's an obstruction in the panel, you kind of try to got to figure out a way to, okay, how can we reconfigure this? I mean, I definitely try to get in the weeds. I don't I, I don't want to be one of these guys that just passes it off to the next 
one and moves on, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like to the next project. I like to, well, at least with my own creator own stuff, I like to get in there and work with the editors. So that way, you know, the vision comes across. Um, it does vary from project to project and whether or not I have a lot of experience with the team, I try to use the same people over and over because uh, just like dating, it's awkward to kind of retrace your, you know, like your beginnings with everyone. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to use the same letter a lot. Scott Ewan, shout out to him. Um, he, he knows my preferences and I know his, and we can, you know, we have shorthand. We can just get in there. Um, the colorist, uh, Jao Canola, Leslie Lansky, I use them for a lot of stuff because they know, okay, visually, I like to do a lot of wide shots with scenic stuff. So they know, okay, let's get some clouds. Let's get some sunbursts, you know, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. While also working with the, with the line artists, which, you know, I've worked with a few now, thankfully. Um, and they, and, you know, they can talk together and say, okay, you know, I'm thinking of doing this, or if there's a reflection, like, let's say like, uh, like if someone has a helmet on and I want to have a reflection of something on the helmet. So I'll have the illustrator, I'll talk with them and say, okay, draw them with the helmet and then draw this separate illustration and let's color them separately, but kind of marry it together in the panel with kind of like an opaque, you know, like layer over it. So that way it shows both. I think I learned that from the authority looking at how uh, Brian Hitch did a few a few panels back in the day for that. And I was like, oh, okay, it doesn't all have to be on the same page at once. You can take those elements and mix them together. Uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of got in the weeds a little bit there, but I hope no, that answered uh, one or two questions. No, that's <laughs> great. So I've um, I've talked to other uh, comic book writers, um, actually more illustrators than I have uh, writers. And they're like, oh yeah, like we have a great relationship. Like, you know, like, don't have to fix this, you know, later in post or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's get back into your writing as well. Like uh, you said, you, uh, you've done stand-up comedy. So can yes. we get in a little bit more, more of that? Absolutely. Anything that's going to cancel me has already been scrubbed. So I don't even bother trying. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just messing around. Um, I did a lot of jokes about, I grew up with in a, in a same sex household. So I tried to flip my humor and make it a growing up in a in a gay household, you know, just to get those laughs, like the unexpected kind of like twist laughs, yeah. which, you know, it's just like, oh, man, I sat down with my parents. I was like, dad, dad, I have to tell you guys, I'm straight. And then just the disappointment on their faces, you know? <laughs> uh, no, you know, I mean, it's just a lot of self-deprecation humor I like to do, you know, just really just laugh at myself and my own foibles to, you know, really just, you know, make the audience more comfortable. I mean, if you see me in person, I'm like, six foot three 270 pounds on paper i'm a scary goon so i try to (laughs) you know disarm people with some humor uh i had a costume on stage i used to wear a cardigan and i used to have a martini in my hand so try to be like kind of like the country club asshole even though i've never been in a country club (laughs) i've been outside of one once but you know i was trying to do like that gimmick right yeah just just do that where it's like you know just just try to add on more and more into it but um yeah i stopped i stopped doing comedy a while ago because uh, I lived in, outside of Philadelphia and all my stuff was in New York. All my friends were in New York for comedy. So mm-hmm. I would drive like two, three times a week after work or on the weekends, you know, and it, I, you know, it's, like it's a good like hundred miles. It's not that far, uh, an easy like hour and a half. But, you know, after a while, it's just like, all right, I kind of don't want to do this that much anymore. <laughs> yeah. so, I started writing, so I started writing jokes for friends. You know, it's easier because, you know, I made a lot of friends and just make connections and we always work on bits with each other. So it's, you know, just keep that relationship going and, you know, it's been fun. Yeah. Oh, that's great that you 
uh, write their jokes. <laughs> Do you have any like projects coming up that are going to be like animated or like film productions or anything like that? Uh, not right now. I mean, uh, my friend Tara Kenistrasi, she's a, she's becoming a bigger comedian now. And we did a short film barely pre-COVID uh, called The Chart that won uh, a bunch of awards at film festivals uh, abroad and domestic in Italy. So, you know, we're, we're thinking of trying to say, okay, what can we do to, you know, keep keep that creative train going to get something else going? Um, she hosts a podcast now with uh, Chaz Palmieri from um, the Bronx Tale. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's huge into the, uh, the, the Bronx Italian culture. So, you know, she and I just click from just having similar childhoods, although they told us as kids never go to the Bronx. So, <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, I'm trying to, I, I, I have an idea for a longer form thing. I don't want to just do like a short film or a sketch. I kind of want to do like a play. So yeah. I have an idea for like a one act, one location type thing that I feel would be right up her alley. It's just, you know, just finding the time to really sit down and collaborate. All my focus now is just comics and, uh, you know, my my day job. So so what what's the biggest? Oh, Jesus, you're a comic book writer, but uh, you, you have a day job. OK. Oh, no, my day job pays the bills, man. Uh, my boss is worried I'm going to leave the job for comics. And I'm not going to say what I do because I can't. But I'm just like, the, dude, there's no way in hell I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to be like uh Matt Fraction to recoup what I would lose to, you know yeah <laughs> there's no way there's no way on earth if I get a promotion they're like why you gotta choose between this uh, new gig which I'm actually gunning for right now at work and you know writing you have to give up writing because you won't have time I'm, like, I'm gonna take that because I can easily get back into this down the road whereas you know comics is all about momentum and if I lose momentum now it might take a couple years to rebuild I know because I've done that like twice now do you mind talking about that a little bit like what no man let's do deep dive i'm an open book whatever you want to know yeah so what actually happened with that then like how what made you you know um leave comics and then you know join back up yeah so i think the first time was after my first graphic novel ashes came out from d2 comics the reviews were good. The receptions were okay. The sales weren't amazing, but I did make some good contacts off of that. It was a national release in bookstores uh, and comic shops. I mean, I did get to sign at Barnes & Noble once, which was pretty cool, but I couldn't find a way to get that spark and capitalize on that release. Okay. So uh, that was, I want to say 2017. And then 2018, I had a shift in my day job to a traveling position. So I was like, oh, this is really good. And the the wage was pretty good, right? So okay. I started doing more of that, but it had me away from home for like two, three weeks at a time. Now, normally, if if I was a level-headed adult, I can say, oh, okay, I'm going to have time. Let me just, you know, away from home while I'm at the hotels. So let's just take this time to, you know, work on my writing, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm not, I don't, I don't have my home stuff to worry about. It was that quite the opposite. I got bad, like homesick really bad, just... After putting in like 12 hour days at these sites, I would just go back to my room and just crash, just be on my phone or watch shows like Monday Night Raw and, you know, just, <laughs> you know, just not want to do anything. Next thing I know, it's like I got to get up and go to the office again. And then, you know, home life was bad, too. There's stresses from being away from, you know, two, three weeks at a time. I mean, yeah. all the fights you have when you're leaving they, they don't go away they're they're waiting for you when you it's like it's like a bad save point in a video game right <laughs> like oh man yeah that's right this is why i stopped playing last night uh you know but so it's that so you know just that type of you know focus shift made me lose a lot of momentum 
uh, I started to get stuff back in uh, 2019. I was really uh, getting some pitches going. End of 2019, at one point, I had three pitches that were picked up. And then COVID happened. <laughs> and yeah, of those three pitches, only one of them, you know, uh, ended up getting released because, you know, publishers were closing down and they were just, you know, uh, leaning up their resources. So it's like, you know, they want they want stuff that they know will sell from names. And, they're not, you know, yeah. whereas before they would have taken a chance, like, all right, let's put out this indie from someone. It's like, all right, we got to show up our resources. We only have X number of books. Let's put out the ones we know will get some money in there. That sucked. Uh, but then, you know, uh, the one book that did get uh, released, which was Kill Cella, which was a blessing uh, in disguise. Uh, my artist on that, Serge Acuna, uh, he and his wife quit. <laughs> after a year uh yeah we signed the contract with scout and then they did about an issue over the course of the next year and it just kept getting just you know excuses and misdeliverables of like oh yeah we'll have this to you this time and that day passes by nothing the same day the next week passes by nothing and then you don't want to be a jerk or anything or but you know you kind of got asked like hey where the hell's happening and then they just quit and that kind of broke me a little bit. I mean, I didn't put that in the comics broke me hashtag, but you know, <laughs> yeah. the, pe- the people who matter to me know the story. I don't have to put it out there like, you know, in, in, in detail, but that was bad. You know, um, it took me a while to rebuild my confidence to find an art team that I liked. And more importantly, that the publisher approved of. That was a pain because you know <laughs> they wanted to find specific people. But I think that was a blessing because I got to meet Lotaro Havlovich and we have a really good relationship. He did the next three issues of Kilchella. We have a new series coming next year sometime. Um, yeah, you know, and just, you know, really get to go. But like I said, it's all these things that just keep pushing you back, especially as a writer where you can't just say, hey, here's a, I'm not throwing shade at artists. Um, I can't just <laughs> I can't just draw a picture of Nightwing and be like, hey, check out my Nightwing fan art and get a bunch of shares and you know reposts and editors who would see that. You know, I have yeah. to write a story and I have to write a story. People, you know, don't necessarily want to do that for for free, let alone for fun, because you know they're also trying to you know get gigs. So it's you know it's a lot harder. So uh, it's a lot easier to lose momentum as a writer when you're telling editors like, yeah, I just signed this thing, it's coming, you know, and try to keep up with your contacts, let them know what you're working on. And then six months, eight months, a year and a half go by and, you know, nothing comes from it. It's kind of hard to tell people like, hey, yeah, keep, keep waiting, it's coming, you know? But- yeah. Okay, so you brought up the pandemic, which is uh, one question I did want to ask. Um, yeah, okay. Is, um, so we all know the world shut down in 2020. Oh, yeah. So how how did that affect you? Um, besides what you just said, like your comment being, you know, only one issue, like your team quit. Um, yeah. But also, what's the concert like? Look, what's it looking like now? You know, I don't do conventions really. I go to San Diego, I go to New York, and that's really it. Uh, I have not social anxiety because I can really turn it off if I need to and get up there, but I just don't like sitting at a booth for a whole lot for a whole weekend so i, I could do guest spots um i'm probably gonna be the most boring interview you have in terms of no this, you're fucking amazing but... you're doing a great job no <laughs> but, no i'm thinking like as far as like asking you about conventions i mean i i wouldn't know i mean i wish i could pass the question to someone else but it's just me uh <laughs> so i can't really answer it but 
I mean, I've been, I was at New York Comic Con last year for a couple hours. I walked the floor before it opened with my wife. I said hi to some friends, uh, checked out some stuff, and then we just bounced. Um, yeah, I'm not really yeah. a convention type guy. Damn, like that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're okay. Like, cause like, um, that's where I hear people make most of their money, like comic book content creators oh, yeah. make most of the money. Like, no, but I get it. I, I, I understand. You know, no, uh, I mean, I'm going to San Diego in a couple of weeks, but am I really? Because we're staying at a resort across the bay, which we got through the convention. I'm not like that rich. Where I'm just staying at resorts. Right? <laughs> but it's like we usually stay right in downtown. But the only hotel we can get was across the bay. My wife are like, and I are like, OK, hold on. There's a beach on this island. They have pickleball courts. They have their own pool. <laughs> it's there with a ferry to take you to the convention. But it's far enough for a move where you feel like you have an actual vacation. So that's what we're treating it as. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's really just to go just to, you know, keep keep uh, some FaceTime with my contacts, you know, talk to my mm -hmm. editors for upcoming stuff that's going, you know, pressing the flesh with my buddies and my peers, you know, getting a little drunk, getting a little high and just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, the Hellfire Gala. Oof, I am not missing the Hellfire Gala. I told my wife, no matter what, we are going to this damn thing. I don't care what I have to do. Wait, what's a Hellfire Gala? uh the x-men have an annual event called the hellfire gala and they're doing a real life hellfire gala at san diego this year no way Holy yeah shit. so yes like way. yes way I've kevin been to... kevin bacon's gonna be there like like that sort of shit like uh, i don't know maybe but <laughs> i mean i've been going to the gym twice a day for the last two months trying to get my body in shape because i have yeah. this nice uh i have a, kind of like a play in x-men uniform but i have like a lace black lace shirt that i'm gonna have underneath with my jacket over it i mean you know i was thinking wearing an eye patch with an x on it but i was like i don't think i should do that <laughs> but no i mean i'm going all out for this one uh, uh that's the one thing i'm like oh, i have to do this yeah jesus yeah <laughs> I, that's fucking amazing also um you did um sorry so no 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 you're okay so you're Taylor... superficial say now it's honestly coachella for nerds but yeah, it, it literally fucking is. And yeah. I wish that more people fucking got our understanding of why we need to go out to this sort of event, you know? Oh, yeah. You did bring up uh, hashtag uh, comics broke me. So why, why do you think that comic book writers and illustrators, I mean, I know what you brought up about illustrators earlier. Um, why, why, why are you guys getting so snubbed? Like, why don't com comic book companies want to pay? Oh, geez, that's a loaded question. That's going to get me fired for sure. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think honestly, a lot of it comes down to uh, fan fulfillment uh, internally, maybe, where someone's just like, oh man, I always wanted to write Spider Man, so they'll do whatever it takes to write Spider Man. But sometimes you never get to write Spider Man. Uh, mixed with also um, business sense business you know i mean this is a real business as fun as it is and it's a lot of you know uh, i someone gets to draw something someone gets to write something and see these things come to life end of the day it's a business that people make their livelihoods on and a lot of companies once you get to a bigger level uh make their profits on or you know whether it's a publicly owned company that happens to have a subdivision that has comics and they're like hey we need to show our you know, investment portfolio, you know, our, our investors that, you know, we have this thing and it's profitable um, versus other companies that just do an IP farm where they bring on books from creators and then they have in the contracts themselves as the executive producers because that's how they make, you know, their funds. I mean, 
Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I did not know executive producers existed in comics. Go on. I'm yeah, sorry, go no. Ahead. I mean, uh, I can tell you right now. Like in 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 Scout's uh, basic Scout Comics's basic uh, contract, it's the the states on there that you know if there are any film rights or whatever, as well as well as you know production and distribution for X number of years, they also retain the rights for X number of years as executive producers should there be any film or adaptation rights i mean it is a real thing because more often than not now that's how a lot of comic con publishers make their money uh yeah. even if the stuff never does see the light of day or get produced the options for it can be lucrative because it's you'll give me x thousand dollars for the rights and i don't have to do anything it's all the production who bought the rights is you know it, it's it's their nut to build up and you know make the stuff so yeah uh it's it's kind of predatory uh i think going into it now it's a lot of places you just you know make sure you have representation make sure you have yeah. good lawyers entertainment lawyers not like your you know better call Saul type lawyers. <laughs> although you know a good scumbag could help you out but yeah. um <laughs> no i mean you know it's it's business right i mean the whole point yeah. of the stock market is you know buy low and sell high so you know it's uh getting as much as you can for for as little as you can and sometimes a lot of comments is like that um i can see a lot of i don't have examples so i can't say for certain but if there is ever let's say talks of a union they can just say that well screw you creator there's enough people out there who are dying to get in and a lot of creators do undercut one another as far as rates go because they want that opportunity and they yeah. want to keep getting that opportunity it's not just enough just to have the one and done you want to be like hey i want to keep doing this so maybe they'll give uh better rates to people than they would an independent for whatever reason i mean there's a whole lot of you know reasons uh i mean human history is goes as far back as possible talking about you know <laughs> uh greed and you know profits and all that stuff so i mean it's just this is kind of a more psychological question to answer and i think <laughs> a guy from brooklyn yeah. can at this time but uh yeah what what does um hashtag you know comics broke mean what does that mean to you uh it means hardship it means it, it means heartbreak it means honestly it means the uh the breaking of an illusion right you go into something with your eyes wide open like you're showing up off the bus in times square hoping to make it big on broadway and it realizes all sorts of predatory things that come and get you or anything that'll kill you to the business i mean you know it could be bad players acting appropriately or just you know just missed opportunities uh look at hollywood they call it the boulevard of broken dreams right so yeah. you know i mean I have a I have a good Mad Men quote that I always do. It's from Megan's mom. She says, uh, "Not every girl gets to grow up to be a ballerina." <laughs> Something like that. I just paraphrase that. But yeah. you know, I mean, so you got to think. Uh, there's a lot of people that you know have their eyes and their hopes. You know, I'm one of them. Uh, and then sometimes something happens. They just like say, "Oh man, screw this." I mean, you'll see any anybody worth their salt will be honest and tell you of times of hardship. They won't just you know play the company card and say everything is great everything's fine and if they do check their eyes to make sure they're not sending you a signal but the, the the whole thing is just you know my my wife knows this better than anyone it's just like i will have frustration and tears of frustration sometimes where i'm just like damn i feel like i am getting nowhere and then 
there will be some deal and people always promise the moon and under and, and they under deliver or if they deliver at all sometimes people just straight up ghost you know once they get yeah. an answer that they're looking for but it's weird because this is a business that people put their heart and soul into being creative into and then sometimes that's just somebody telling you no or they don't even tell you no they just ignore you know, so Jesus. it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's not like, like, like my day job, I do a lot of math, but I'm not tying my personal identity into math and algorithms, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's not me. So me writing a story and say, okay, I'm taking some experiences or my perspective or trying to, you know, dream up a new perspective of scenarios and putting it out there. Sometimes you people mine all sorts of their personal live moments and, to create something special just to have someone say no that's kind of hard i mean that's i haven't i met my wife when i was young so i haven't dated in many 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 years but i imagine it's kind of like dating right whereas you're on the <laughs> apps and people just aren't swiping on you um, except it's on a you know it's on a publisher level uh i don't know i mean comics broke me it really was sad because you get to see these people who have these hopes and these dreams and they get to see these roadblocks these frustrations these obstacles even Sometimes like um, malicious obstacles, you know, uh, people like people who have ulterior motives who want to help you. But once they can't get that motive, you know, for and not just sexual, it could be personal, it could be ladder climbers, whatever. Mm -hmm. Once they don't get that, they just say, OK, this person has no value to me. So what you thought could have been an avenue in is just a dead end. I mean, you know, it sucks. Yeah. yeah. Fucking, no one's dropping uh, pig's blood on anyone, but it's kind of like Carrie. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, uh, throughout all your entire work, what um, what do you want our listeners to get from any piece of work that you've actually written? Um, well, the latest and greatest is probably uh, a long form Kilchella. I mean, we did a story, um, a, a four-issue miniseries about a bunch of beautiful people getting killed in the California desert at a music festival. I mean, no, um, you know, try to just do social commentary on the whole, you know, fame and the lifestyle of just, you know, famous for being famous or just doing things for the pictures on social media type thing. I'm guilty of that. If you ever look at my stories, I'm all over the place, but you know, uh, I'm going to fucking well, follow just, you tonight. Just yeah, so you know, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to post the most boring stuff now, but no, especially like, I'm, I mean, I'm going to spend like a half a month in California in a couple of weeks. So you're going to see some weird stuff. You're going to see me in Disneyland. You're going to see me at the Hellfire Gala. You're going to see me <laughs> hiking to the top of the Hollywood sign. I mean, the, you know, yeah. it's endless, but uh, you know, um, but it's just a lot of just, you know, just telling commentary on, fame and what fans will do for the people that they follow i mean uh look at not to get political but look at some some people in comics and the following that they have and there's the people who will just blindly go along and you know uh polarize themselves because this person says this so therefore everyone else has to be the enemy i mean you know take that and if you have a celebrity that says do this and people do it yeah that's that's not good you know especially if they have <laughs> mental problems but um, you know, Coachella was really good. Uh, I I felt it was good, uh, but I'm biased because I wrote it. So, so you have to tell me what you think. <laughs> uh, Tales from the Pandemic just came out. The first printing sold out like a month or two before release from Band of Bards, and that is 
That was a fun story. You talk like before you asked what I did during the, during the pandemic, the lockdowns. That's what I did. I took my Trump okay. bucks that we got and I made a bunch of short stories with my friends who are out of work because publishers closed down. And we just like, hey, let's do some Twilight Zone type stories. I wrote most of them, um, you know, just for fun, put it out online for free just to keep, uh, honestly, it's to keep our names out there, right? You, you put out content, say, hey, here's a bunch of new stories we put out for free. When the comic shops are closed, send it to people. People keep you in mind, you know, uh, keeps your name current. Send it to editors so they can see you're still releasing new stuff. Um, but yeah, Band of Bards liked it. We we kind of put it to sleep quickly after we released it just because we wanted to make it special and limited. But uh, yeah, they liked it and they wanted to print it. So they printed up. We added some two new stories uh, with my um, my pad one, Matt, uh, James Ferguson, <laughs> I mentioned earlier, uh, yeah. and also Matt Sumo. They wrote some pretty kick-ass stories on there. Um, James was illustrated by Laura Helsby and Leslie Atlansky. And Matt's was illustrated by Jenny Odio, who I love from Costa Rica. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just a bunch of Twilight Zone type stories we, we, we put out. It's not a retrospect on what we did during COVID and the feelings we had. This is honestly batshit crazy stories, <laughs> like Black Mirror type stuff. Oh shit! Okay, I'm for it then. If it's black mirror <laughs> shit, yeah, I'm for it. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, three pages, you know, but definitely like it's that vibe we we're going for. We're like, all right, this whole world is weird, <laughs> so let's let let's make this weirder. <laughs> and in all honesty, um, I just have to say, like, what keeps you what keeps you humble? Because you are fucking a great writer. What keeps you oh, fucking humble? Um, Thank you. Uh, my wife, honestly, I'm gonna say a Borat style. My wife, but no, I mean, uh, she's she she's there to you know really keep things perspective. My stepmom, my mom's wife, definitely knows how to bring me down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually not a lie. But no, uh, what keeps me humble is just you know, um, this could all go away in any minute. Honestly, yeah. I mean, not just this isn't like a story of just you know trying to like you only live once type thing i mean that could be anything to just i can last year i had diverticulitis and I had to go to the hospital and then i passed out of work a couple of days later I had to go back to the hospital and I'm just thinking like that was that was pretty scary this can all just go away in any minute so you know uh just thinking about that just trying to do things that make me happy as a creator um mm -hmm not worry so much about missed opportunities or opportunities that other people are getting that i am not you know that's that, that that's a hard one to to get over because you, you know creators do get insecure a lot and when they see their pace cars around them getting more stuff that can feel like you're falling behind but you know it just it's just trying to be self-confident and you know surround yourself with uh people who both support you and you can also support it's not all about just you know who lifts you up it's also being there to lift up others as well which is a you know, I feel it's an important part of any social group. Um, but, you know, we're just, we're just trying out here. <laughs> also, um, before I go ahead and go to the last few questions here, um, are you a father? Because I know. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, no okay. That was not in anyone's plans for me. I think all the Mountain <laughs> Dew and uh, Jackass I tried to emulate made sure that ain't happening. <laughs> okay. Because I was going to say happy belated Father's Day, but oh, if you were a father. You. See? Yeah. I mean, I've been called daddy, but no, no father. So. <laughs> <laughs> and um, okay, so the main reason um, we are speaking today is uh, to 
uh, bring up your campaign of uh, One True Love. So please yes. go ahead. Dish it all uh, out. Yeah, One True Love is honestly like when people are just like, what's that one story you've wanted to tell for years? One True Love is this story. I started working on it in 2018. It's just, uh, I love mafia stuff. I think I've mentioned before, Terrence Winter is one of my idols, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and just the way that he captures things from Sopranos to the Boardwalk Empire to vinyl to latest, uh, the Tulsa King with the Sylvester Stallone. I mean, he just knows how to really tell a good story involving the mafia so i ripped them off like crazy no i'm just kidding i uh <laughs> no i you know it's just a story i wanted to tell um it's about a bunch of east coast two east coast mobsters who pull off a heist in vegas and now they have to lay low in, at a friend's house in the hollywood hills it's it's this guy who made it out of the neighborhood in a legit way and you know he was friends with them so he's laying up of course you know um it doesn't build up to the heist. It's after the heist. Cause I felt that the more important elements were, it's not what happens when you get the money. It's what happens when you have the money. And when you come from having no money, I know firsthand that sometimes that changes people that changes their perspectives, their relationships, that changes uh, fundamentally. It changes the way that people who you thought were closer than family would be even family would be to you. Um, because, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that I say, uh, anyone who helps you steal, no matter how well you take care of them, you can never truly trust them. So, <laughs> you know, that's this whole thing. It's just, you know, these, these guys from another world compared to California are laying low with all this money. And, of course, there's paranoia. There's unexpected elements that come into play that, you know, uh, at, at, it, it all builds up. It all tears them apart and it builds up to an explosive ending. But... Yeah, uh, it's 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 my love letter to Los Angeles in a weird, sick and twisted way, because, you know, uh, I kind of put a self insert in there and some of the reactions, uh, you know, people being from New York City and they mm -hmm. go out to California. It's just a different world. Um, where are you located again? Uh, uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. OK, so, yeah, you know, I mean, you have what the buttes out there and beautiful skyscrapes and everything. right? <laughs> landscapes. Uh, yeah. I come from just. You look up, there's glass and concrete everywhere and steel. Uh, you look up, you know, I mean, all you hear are noises and, you know, you can see the sky here, but it's filtered in between buildings. Um, I remember the first time I ever saw the stars, I was like, what the hell is going on out here? <laughs> so the first time I got to go out to California, it's a different world. Yeah, the air is brown because of the smog, but, you know, you get to see, you can smell the beach. You can see the sunshine. You can drive by and be like, wow, I, 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 I know the street from where this movie was made. You know, like, yeah. why do I know this restaurant? Oh, you know, it's there. I mean, uh, I, we, my wife and I used to rent out guest houses in the Hollywood Hills just because it's it's a different view than you would get at a hotel. Okay, You can go up there and it's just like, okay, here's a guest house on the side of the cliff, which is something you don't want to think about because of earthquakes. So you're up there <laughs> and in the daytime, you just see the sun come up or the sunset, depending on where you are. And it's just beautiful. You can see like far ahead. All right. That looks cool. You can see the ocean on certain clear non-smog days <laughs> but then at nighttime it's like here you can see the entire city below you um there's a line from westworld that i always think of and it's season two episode two i think but it's dolores when she was brought to the real world for a party and she's talking to bernard and she's looking out the window and she says something along the lines of it looks like somebody plucked all the stars from the sky and laid them on the ground and that's what it feels like up there. And that that's, I mean, the first time I ever saw that, I was like, wow, this is something I never experienced. So I drew that 
experience into these two characters who are coming from a different world, different perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and they finally achieved uh, their version of uh, El Sueño Americano, the American dream, you know, they have this money and now what? Because when, when you're someone who's only ever known the chase, what do you do when you actually get the thing you've been chasing? I don't know. That's, that's, <laughs> that, that, no, that's fucking deep. <laughs> yeah, we go deep with this. It's not just, oh, hey, yeah, it's mobsters hiding out in Hollywood. Ha ha, bang, bang. No, it's, <laughs> <laughs> we definitely put some, uh, we, we, we put them through their paces before heartbreak ensues uh, around the clock. But yeah, I mean, it's, some, it's, it, it's a story I've always wanted to tell. Uh, always being the last uh, five years, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and yeah, we have this, we have the opportunity. Jay, Jay, Jay Paul Sheep, JPS is an amazing illustrator. I mean, amazing uh, the way that he draws facial features and realistic people, and even just some some artists can't do this. But even just having a conversation with two characters that don't lead up to like an explosion or some superhero thing, it's hard to do for a long period of time. But he he can do it easily for chapters upon chapters and that's why i brought him onto this uh, story with me um you know he's been great to work with uh we're doing the book in landscape because uh i wanted to try something different and having a okay. wider book you know helps okay. show off his panels in a more cinematic way and like instead of building down you're kind of building over and panning across so when you have uh, a book like that and it's open for two full wide pages you can really just see the story just go across so that's actually something I want to ask you uh, okay. earlier, like the, the wide shots. So you want to go for a real cinematic view? Uh, I wanted to mess up people's book faces, honestly. But the but the main reason was, yeah, I just wanted to have something different and, you know, have uh, just this this feel that really show off Jay's work in a way that wasn't limited, you know, uh, horizontally, but, um, you know, like letting him really cook and tell a story that you know flows that way so actually you're the first person to ask this um how would you disrupt the comic book world if you could how would i disrupt the comic book world yeah if you absolutely like, could like for the better or for the worse am i, like, am I the villain or am i the let, savior here? let's go for both takes all right uh if i were to be a true heel and disrupt the comic book world. <laughs> I would tell baby writers, find artists that want to work with you for free. <laughs> because, <laughs> because you're all trying to build a portfolio together. Okay. And it's it's really expensive. I mean, people complain about comics being pay to play, but I say comics is pay to play for the writers from the jump because it's like, hey, I have an idea. You wanna work together? Yes, but I'm gonna charge X number of dollars for pages, okay? And But if it doesn't work out, they take those pages and use them as samples to get another job elsewhere. So that's kind of not really that fair. I come from uh, a home where, you know, we count our dollars. So my wife is always pissed when I try to bring on new projects. <laughs> so, you know, it definitely puts a strain on, you know, our budget and what we want to do and achieve as, you know, as adults in, in, in our lives. So I'm like, oh, wait, no, I got to take aside 3,000, right? Three racks and say, I want to make Jesus. this comment. So if, okay. if I were disrupted in a bad guy way, I would just change that. I'd just say, hey, no one has money. You want to have money? Let's find a publisher who will pay us. So, yeah, money is the root of all evil. My friend. <laughs> it is. It, 
Yeah. Truly is. So how would you disrupt it in a positive way then? Oh, uh, I would sacrifice myself for this, but I, you know, like if it meant I never ever got another gig again, I but brought attention to it, I, it would be worth it. But I would change the way that publishers uh, market stuff. I mean, there's I I hate the predatory contracts that try to take X number of percentage, and they do no upfront costs for production. They do little to jack shit in comparing to like marketing you know uh some places don't even tweet the stuff they retweet like awesome i can hit retweet too yeah. you know some places don't even put out newsletters saying hey this book is out they don't set advanced reviews they don't reach out or do retailer outreach they the list of things that they don't do i it'd be quicker for me to say the things that they do do because <laughs> you know <laughs> uh but but it's stuff you would think as actual adults i mean i think some people want to some some editors and some publishers want the clout of being in the comics industry without actually doing the work of being in the comic industry. I mean, it's like they found, you know, Aladdin's lamp or, you know, and asked to be Prince Ali where they had this title, but they didn't actually do anything to freaking earn it. And if you ask them to do work, it's like, oh, I can't because, you know, <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever. Uh yeah, so sorry. I see this no, question. No. Here. We'll cut this part out. And amazing. Yes, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> it's, no, it's uh, it's you know it's it's heartbreak. I would. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, just it's just calling people out, calling out the the lack of resources. Okay, so uh, I hope that answered your question. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Like you went on great tangent, and I loved it. So last thing I have for you is um. You may have already covered it um, just by asking, like, how you're, um, you know, how you disrupt the comic book world. But in all honesty, um, if you could give your younger self any advice, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, yeah. Uh, don't be so quick to celebrate victories, like hollow victories. Just um, when I'm younger, it's like things just like, oh, man, this promise, this, this, this. And then people just don't come through on their end or they have no intention of. You know, doing things. It's like uh, it, it, it's like making cocaine plans, right? You're going to be in the stall with someone and be like, yeah, man, let's go get a boat. Let's rent this out. <laughs> this stuff's never going to happen, dude. It's, you know, not that I've done coke listeners. It's just I watch a lot of movies with cocaine, trust me. But no, it's just one of those things, you know, it's just like, you know, you, people sometimes just talk just to say things that feel good in the moment. They have no intention of really following through. And, you know, sometimes publishing and creating is like that as well. No, you can talk to a an artist friend who'd be like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And then when it comes time, they'd be like, Oh, something else that I'd rather do came up or, you know, uh, they can, you can be uh, great friends with someone who's an editor. This is not a personal example. This isn't one that I know and do stuff with them. But if you don't get, like, if they don't give you a gig at their company and then, you know, that ends up hurting the friendship. It's just like, well, you know, you gotta, you got to learn how to manage expectations, I guess. Damn, that was uh, also very deep. Jesus. <laughs> I had this conversation I, with someone today. And I, I, so there was an editor who moved out from somewhere else to New York City to work at one of the big publishers back when they were both in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And they stayed at a friend's house as they got set up. But, you know, so it's like, oh, yeah, come hang out, you know, be here. This person's also working in the industry trying to make it on a bigger level. So that person stayed at that creator's home, got set up, got an apartment, moved out, and they built the whole life for themselves in New York City back when these publishers were in New York City. Uh, but the person was mad, I saw on Twitter, that 
you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, I did all this for you and I couldn't get a job. <laughs> that's pretty much the gist of it. And it's just like, that's not being a friend. That's, that's being an opportunist. So yeah, yeah I guess sometimes <laughs> you just got to learn the difference between someone who's being a friend and someone who's just trying to ladder climb. Yeah. Somebody's trying to use you for, you know, their own gain. Holy shit. All right. So um, do you have anything else that you want to cover? Yeah. Uh, so thank you. Yes. Uh, One True Love ends on next Friday, um, yeah, Friday the yeah. 30th at 1159 Eastern time, PM, 1159 PM Eastern time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, get your pledges in. We have some pretty uh, low entry level goals. We have a digital book. We have a regular book. Um, pricing is included for domestic for the books. It is not like a secondary charge and there definitely will not be another charge after the fact with backer kit, which is something I do not like. Um, so yeah, the, the price shipping is included in the base price of the book domestic. We also have some premium level tiers, which you know you can be drawn into the book with dialogue and without dialogue. If you just wanna have a cameo, that's uh, one level. If you wanna be a minor character, that's another level. I also do script consultations for people. It's uh, I, I get into the weeds with my friends. So we thought that'd be something that we offer here. And there's also some, sketch packs and also comic packs of things I've done before, like uh, Kilchella and Fogline and um, Tales of the Pandemic. Yeah. So what is uh, your, where can we find your Kickstarter? What is it labeled Yes. As? So uh, if you go under Kickstarter and search uh, One True Love, uh, O-N-E, One True Love, um, yeah, you'll find it. It's a picture of a uh, guy holding a gun while a girl's in a pool. <laughs> overlooking the hollywood hills uh you can also find me on twitter i'll be it's in my pin tweet uh at the other mario c and uh c being the letter c not like the waves and also my uh my instagram is another mario c and that should be my pinned uh bio link i believe okay also when we post this episode uh the link will be in the description um and you can find us at geek network.com our our socials across the board are geeks az so uh yeah thanks so much thank you for having me